Welcome to the Weekly Word from St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Farmersville, Ohio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our community Good Friday service for this year. It's wonderful to see all of you here tonight. And we, tonight we want to give special thanks to, to, uh, to Pastor C. Fox, Pastor Susan Hartman, and Cynthia Hadley for participating in tonight's service. We invite you to join us for our community Easter sunrise service, which will be this Sunday at 6.30 a.m. at the Farmersville United Church of Christ. And we look forward to our friends from the UCC as well, providing us with a delicious breakfast following the service. At this time, let us begin with prayer. O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We ask you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen.
please join me in the responsive reading of the book of Psalm found printed in your bulletin. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. You may be the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. In my alarm I said I am cut off from your sight. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who go the Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to look with mercy on your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and to be given over to the hands of sinners and to suffer death on the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. We'll hear the word of God from the book of Isaiah. Chapter 52, starting with verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lift up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before me, him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression 
and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteousness servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made the intercession for the transgressors. May God bless the hearing of his word. Our second lesson comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, and chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. During the day of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of, of eternal salvation for all who obey him.
I am Simon of Cyrene. They forced me to help Jesus carry the cross. I did not want to be involved, not one little bit. I'm a Judean, and I had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Carrying the cross of a criminal would make me ceremonially unclean and unable to participate in the Passover celebration. Generally, I'm one of those guys who likes to stay to himself, do my own thing, on my own terms. Quite frankly, I've seen religion divide people, and I don't see a need for it. Besides, I just wanted to come and enjoy myself and not be excluded from all of the festivities. I was required by law to be there, so I might as well enjoy myself, right? Life is hard enough as it is. That is why they had to force me to do this unclean thing that did indeed disqualify me from Passover. I think they chose me to do this because I'm a large fellow, muscular, and they thought I could handle it. I stand a head taller than most, so they spotted me at once. Anyway, they, they literally pulled me out of the crowd and ordered me to pick up the crossbar from this guy. He was lying face down in the dirt, and he couldn't get up with the weight of the beam. way to the beam across his shoulders. The sh soldiers literally shoved me towards him, and as I stooped to lift the cross from him, I saw him turn and look up at me. His hair was matted with blood, and his face was disfigured with swelling, but there was gratitude and relief in his eyes. He drew me in, and a longing stirred within me that I didn't know was there. I wished I had known him before these last hours. As I began trudging up the hill, with him staggering behind me, the resentment I had felt for being picked out of the crowd to do this gruesome task started to melt. I began to feel as if I was doing something very important, beyond what I had any idea. A kind of strange gratitude for being involved in this drama came over me. I only wished I had known him before these last moments of his life. Maybe getting involved more with this man and what he stood for would have made me a better person. I am Mary, the mother of Jesus. I watched my son die his excruciating death on a cross from a distance. I wept. I cried out to God and I knelt down in the dirt and the mud, too weak to even stand. I wanted to run up and pull him down off that cross, comfort him, hold him but I couldn't. They wouldn't let me near him. 
As I stood there watching my son be brutalized, I had so many flashbacks of when he was young. His first smile, learning to speak, learning to walk. The strongest memory I had, though, was of the angel Gabriel who came to me in the very beginning and told me that I was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. At that time, the angel told me that a sword would pierce my soul as well. I didn't understand then. Everything else the angel had said was so positive, so reassuring. The angel had told me that I was to name my son Jesus. He would be a savior. He would lift up people who were sick, oppressed, and downtrodden. He would bring God's justice. And he would triumph over evil with good. He was the hope of Israel and the promised anointed one we had all been waiting for. And I had the honor and the privilege of raising this child. I looked forward to the day when all of these promises would be fulfilled. And as I watched him heal and help and teach and lead, I thought this was the beginning of a new thing for our nation that God was doing. I was so excited. And then when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey for the Passover feast, I thought sure that this must be the moment when he was going to overthrow that Roman government. But instead, he ended up being crucified on one of their crosses. What a cruel twist of fate. Now I don't know what to think anymore. I am so wiped out, I can't think. And I don't want to. Despair is closing in. How can I believe the promises the angel gave me after watching my son die? My eyes are swollen with grief, grief that has a way of turning on you and dashing all your hopes, making light and hope grow dim. My son is gone. Can the dead live again? Can my son be restored? Of course not. There's no way out of my anguish and I am alone now in my darkness. My name is Abishua. I am one of the chief priests in Jerusalem. We have charge over all the functions of the temple. It is our sacred office to offer sacrifices in the temple for the glory of God and the redemption of his people. It is the highest office in the land. And with the scribes, we are the most powerful religious leaders in Israel. Our authority is unquestioned. Everyone knows our lineage. From the time of Aaron, we have been God's chosen vessels, his official ministers. So it has always been. So it shall always be. We view any circumstance which might upset this ancient order and practice with profound concern. The recent case of the troublemaker Jesus of Nazareth 
illustrates my point. You understand, his teachings have disturbed the people and have even called our temple practices into question. A dangerous extremist, he has challenged an authority and practice that transcends our time, one established and approved by long-standing tradition. Certainly, we have encountered similar challenges before. Those who would destroy, cloaking themselves in the disguise of reform. But none as dangerous as this Jesus of Nazareth. His followers and sympathizers have numbered in the thousands. Some even dare to claim that he may be the long-awaited Messiah. But surely, if that were so, we in the priesthood would have been among the first to acclaim and honor him. We know what the Messiah will look like, and <laughs> it is not this man. No, I'm afraid the people are too easily deluded. You see, we have been aware of Jesus for quite some time, and none of our information substantiates his irresponsible claims. We would have known him, of course, if he was the Messiah, because we are the chosen ones of God and know the ancient scriptures inside and out. God would have revealed it to us there if Jesus were the Messiah. His tendency to associate with the unclean, people who are sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, the lepers and the blind who are clearly being punished for their sins. These people are his friends. Is just one an example of what an imposter he is. We had to put him to death to make it clear to the common people who don't understand the law the way we do that this man was not of God and that the power of tradition and the power of law far outweigh this troublemaker's claims about mercy, justice, and compassion. We are the chief, we as the chief priests, are the ones to say what is acceptable and unacceptable in the sight of God. No tax collector, prostitute, or anyone who is unclean has any share in relating to a holy God. Thank goodness, we put an end to that Jesus movement by nailing him to a cross. I am Marcus, the centurion. I stood in front of Jesus and heard him cry out from the cross that Friday at 3 p.m. It was the last breath of a dying man. It's not like I haven't been in this situation before. I have overseen many crucifixions, but none like this. What happened that day at Golgotha? Golgotha. There's a garbage dump outside the city in the shape of a skull where we often carried out the crucifixions. 
What happened that day at Golgotha was horrific and life-changing. I was there when the darkness covered the whole area for three hours. I was there when we were all shrouded by a dark curtain of clouds that completely shrouded us from the sun. I was there when the ground trembled beneath us. I saw rocks rolling and splitting. I heard thunder and I observed lightning streaking across the sky. I felt the rain pelting down on me and then I heard this cry. This cry from the man on the cross. He had just moments before cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was a cry that sounded like someone who was dying, not from nails piercing flesh, but rather from a broken heart. And then came his very last heaving cry. And that is when I knew. This was no other than the Son of God. Here I stood before Him, and I had overseen His death. I had told Him all what to do to murder an innocent holy man. And I was filled with despair that I had been a part of His death, and yet with utter conviction, not caring what those around me would think, I shouted out with a conviction that filled me and overwhelmed me so that I could not keep silent. Surely, this was the Son of God. As soon as the words of true confession were off of my lips, I fell to my knees. Before that cross, I worshipped. I don't know why I knew. Me, a Roman centurion with no religious training. Here I was kneeling at the cross of a Jewish rabbi. And yet, I knew I was in the presence of holiness. I knew that God was there and that somehow my recognition of who Jesus was made the difference between life and death.
now together as one family of God, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please feel free to place your offering in either one of the plates at the back of the sanctuary. All our loose offering collected this evening will go towards supporting the ongoing work of the Farmersville Ministerium. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Most merciful and holy God, on this night of pain and sorrow, we ask that you would come to us. Come and speak to the misery of our hearts. Give us the assurance of faith that despite all evidence to the contrary, you alone are king of the universe. Too often, like Jesus, we cry out in our pain, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet those who trust your providence know that you have always been our help in times past. Therefore, God, in the confidence of faith, may we grasp the eternal promises that you've given us in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we anticipate future joy, may we measure that joy against the ache and the angst that we feel tonight. God, we know how the Jesus story ends. And yet, in this moment, we're none too sure. Help our doubts in our moments of unbelief. Help us to cling to Jesus' words that our task as his disciples is to love one another as he has loved us. Offer to us those wonderful words of life as we sit in the midst of death, betrayal, and denial. And give us the hope to which your whole creation points. For we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
I pray that tonight's service is a solid reminder of the cost that was paid for our sins. So as we leave here tonight, let us go remembering what Christ did for us. Let it inspire us to be more like Him. So go with God's love, Christ's peace, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. subscribe to the weekly word please visit your favorite podcast provider may god bless you now and always